My name is Ashley Zatarian Johnson, and I'm a born and raised New Orleanian. After finding myself always on the hunt for new biographies to discover, especially through podcasts, I realized there were people right under my nose that I was dying to know more about in my very own town. Some are well known. Some are people maybe you should know. Here are their stories and why they choose New Orleans to be their home, whether by birth, choice, or the place they always find themselves coming back to. Things can get a little bonkers here, or even a little backwards, but there is a magic here that binds us all, twisting us together under its spell. This is New Orleans Entangled. Welcome to the New Orleans Entangled podcast. My guest today is as warm, inviting, traditional, innovative, and surprising as her creations. Armed with a background in art history and design, my friend Beth Biendo embarked on a life of creating beautiful culinary delights for people to indulge and enjoy in a stunning and welcoming place. And it doesn't get more New Orleans than that, does it? Did I mention she's a four-time semifinalist for the James Beard Outstanding Pastry Chef Award? You likely already know her. She may be an old pal who has always made it a point to come out to your table during her tenure at famed New Orleans restaurant, Lillette. Or maybe you currently see her weekly for your coconut rum cupcake fix at her now city staple, Beth Biendo Sweets. But if you don't know her, I hope you enjoy her, the story of her sweet rise to the upper crust of the New Orleans culinary scene. Welcome, Beth, and forgive my cheesy food puns. <laughs> Thank you. I actually. couldn't resist. <laughs> I, I had never a lot. been introduced that way. Oh, wow. I'm going to do it every time we hang out from, okay, from now on. I'm going to expect it. So we um, are already friends, and we met through a mutual friend that happens to be one of our best yes. friends. And um, she was maid of honor in my wedding and um, introduced me to my husband, actually. Wow. Mm -hmm. She's big, uh, big deal. And it actually did my graphic for this podcast as well. She did my, does all my graphics. She does. <laughs> and when I met her, um, I mean, when I met you, I remember thinking like, you know how it is when you meet a friend of a good friend, you kind of size them up a little bit. Cause there's a little bit of <laughs> like, this is my turf right? Right. Oh, no, no. I totally, totally was there yeah. too. And I remember about halfway through I saw, I was like, I had a man. Like I knew, <laughs> I knew that we clicked. Do you well, were, I think it, we had about 12 drinks. Yeah, we did. It was at the Bullany Tavern. Until about two in the morning. Yes. I think it might've been Britain's birthday. Um, yes, I have some pictures. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm grateful for that night because, you know, obviously I knew about your business and I was a little intimidated and of course ended up falling in love with you. Uh, well, getting down to, to your story here. You are my first ever chef on the show. And I'm so fascinated by chefs and you do my favorite type of food, professionally speaking, baking and desserts. Well, that's your, you do everything, but this is your business yeah. currently. I have always done baking professionally. Yes. Uh, well, you can do everything. I mean, as I far know. as your cooking goes. Yes. Um, but let's talk first before we get to that about your background. I read this quote you said about your mother 
My mother was ahead of her time. She grew her own vegetables and herbs, composted and made most things from scratch. We both have an incredible sweet tooth and the food I most associate with her is ice cream. Every year, our family rented a beach house and my mom made homemade ice cream all summer. Um, where in New Orleans did you grow up with that your mom was growing vegetables and composting? Metairie? <laughs> I mean, that's pretty ahead. Of, that's really ahead of her time. Yeah, she was very into she was like a Martha Stewart Jr. So but meets today's craze of everything being as close to organic farm to table as yeah. yeah. Um I mean I thought it was weird but and like why couldn't she <laughs> why'd she have to grow corn? Well couldn't we have flowers? Mm-hmm. But, um and eat eat some Doritos like everybody else yeah. was. I, mean, I grew up in Metairie so I can say that. <laughs> no, I mean we you know we definitely also ate junky stuff and sure. had snowballs every single night and in the summer and all that stuff. But yeah. she did, we, there were, she cooked a lot at home. I cooked from a young age. I think I just felt really comfortable doing it. Well, what's like, your earliest memory cooking and baking? Um, let's see. I mean, I was, per, I was probably overconfident as a kid, but I do remember like pulling out a cookbook when I was like eight and telling my mom I was making angel food cake. And oh she God. was like, you can't do that. And I was like, yes, I can. I'm going to do it. And I did it. So, oh my gosh, that's fantastic. Were you making it from scratch? Do you remember? Oh yeah. Wow. There was only from scratch. Oh, that is, if I, to this day, make a box cakes mix, I'm like real proud of myself. <laughs> <laughs> that's bad. Um, and were there any other local or famous chefs that inspired you besides your mother? Um, I mean, you know, I grew up normally. It's, I mean, we went out to eat, but I don't. You I weren't don't, watching Justin Wilson. No, episodes. I don't think I wasn't really aware of being a chef as a career until much later, mm-hmm. really until I moved to New York, I think. Ooh. Um, you know, it wasn't something like it's such a thing now, but when we were growing up, it wasn't like no. something you did, especially, you know, no, it you wasn't didn't go to college to become a chef. So I wasn't really aware of it as a profession. Mm-hmm. That's, that's where your story is going to take us. Um, I can't interview a native New Orleanian without asking what high school you attended. Dominican. Ah, <laughs> our rival, Mount Carmel. I know. Um, yeah. And it was SMU. Southern Mass in Dallas. Dallas. And your major was art history, correct? Major was art history. Did not really, I was not a person who had a 10 year plan. No, I think that that. No, but I just, I think that helps shape you. I think you're a lot of your foods pretty worldly and I bet you your interest in the world and art and that. No, I definitely, I mean, I didn't think it going in Mm -hmm. to college that I would do anything creative, but everything I've done since has been, and I you know, took art classes and really liked them and just majored in it because it was what I enjoyed the most. And then, but then went to grad school. You went to, did you, did you finish at SMU or did you go to? I finished at SMU. Okay. Um, pretty quickly. I was 21 when I graduated. From wow. college, so I just had a late birthday, but, um, so I went straight through and didn't have an, again, didn't have a huge plan, but wanted, decided I wanted to go to grad school. And so is that when you went to French Culinary Institute in New York? Um, no, I moved to New York to go to graduate school and was in school for a while and realized. For what? Art history. Oh, okay. I realized getting a PhD in art history was probably not the cards <laughs> for me, um, but I did. I I kind of always had a sense I wanted to live in New York from the first time I went there. But when I applied to grad school, I applied all over 
and just really want and real, kind of realized in the looking that I really wanted to be in New York mm -hmm. and luckily got into school there and so moved up. And I was working, I, you know, the New York art scene was so great. And so I was working in galleries there. And this makes so much sense to me. Um, kind of thought that's what I wanted to do. Now, I pro like if I had looked, I probably should. Now there are all these majors like arts administration and things like that, that probably would have been better for what I wanted to do, which was more museum and gallery. Um, and But I was like in a super academic program and I didn't want to teach and that right. was it. So I knew I wanted to do something else and I was cooking more and more probably to deal with the stress of grad school. Um, but see, cooking adds stress to me. So that's why you know <laughs> oh, it's, it's your calling yeah, if you're doing it been. to relax. And I mean, going, it would, I moved to New York. It was like the Food Network had just debuted and it was like, I feel like the dawn of like the world, the countrywide food scene, like really getting a lot of prominence. So all of a sudden I was in this place where there are all these restaurants, spent way too money, much money on them. Oh, you're supposed to though. And I had no savings when I left New York. You spend yeah. it all on the restaurants. And then, um, and taking cabs. Oh yeah. And, um, then I one day just realized I hated grad school and I dropped out and, got on the train and went downtown to the French Culinary Institute and signed up that morning. <laughs> Whoa. So it was, a, it was not, I don't want to say impulsive it decision. Was impul it was a completely you, impulsive. I think decision. it had been brewing. It had been brewing, but uh, I think the biggest factor in it was I didn't want to have to call and tell my mother. I just dropped out of Columbia without a plan. So, Oh wow. It was Columbia. And I forgot to ask you where that's the, and so, that's tops. so I thought I needed to have a, plan in place. So I, that was my, I was dropping out to become a chef sounded better than just, I was dropping out. You were like, what plan am I going to have? Okay. This. And so I had a, a few months later, I started culinary school in just their pastry program and, uh, wow. Walked in the first person I met is almost my best friend to this day. I loved the whole program. I had so much fun. Um, and been a chef ever since pretty much. <laughs> oh my gosh. I did not know the prequel of leaving grad school. Yeah. That makes this super dramatic. even more interesting. No, you know, I think actually some of the best decisions you can make in life are the ones you don't really overthink. Yeah. I definitely find that. Yeah. If you, if you, if you you're overthinking never, it, you're not making the right choice. You wouldn't start a business. You wouldn't, you know, exactly. No, you can't, can't ever, you wouldn't buy a house. There's all kinds of things yeah. you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't do if you ever think it. Um, when, when I moved to New York after college and I get that it's exciting, but it, it's also can be intimidating. And to me, going to culinary school there, like you were saying earlier, New York being kind of the center of everything, especially at that moment, with the rising scene of chefs, all the viewing rock stars, mm -hmm. you know, all of a sudden. And what, that wasn't intimidating to you? How old were you by then? 23? Um, 24, 25. Wow. I took, um, I, culinary school was not intimidating. It was, um, and I also think like I was more educated maybe than a lot of people in school. Some, there were people straight out of high school. It was a huge variety. There were older people that were kind of doing it as a continuing ed or fun thing. So we were all over the place. What was intimidating was internships in New York. They were terrifying. 
Um, I worked for my first one was at a restaurant that was like number one in New York at the time. The chef was so scary and the stuff people did in restaurants in the nineties would, you wouldn't get away with now, but, um, and so like the Anthony Bourdain book, like that, that, that kind of wildness or that came out, uh, yeah, like really early in my chef career. So it was about that time. It was just like the screaming, the throwing things, um, the sexual harassment, all true. All, um, all yeah, there. All there. <sighs> uh, you know, I was a small blonde Southern girl and easy target and brand new. I didn't, I feel when I was the good thing about internships is not being paid. Generally you got spared the worst of it. So I don't even think they let you do unpaid internships now, but we, we used to have in interior design, we used to have interns and you had to gift them something yeah. like it didn't have to be cash. You could get a, a huge J crew. I didn't do this. The firm did it, but you could get, you had to do something of monetary value. We, Otherwise it was illegal. We, I think what we were probably doing was illegal. illegal. But, you know, I, I, can you tell us the restaurant or do you want to keep that? No, I mean, it's okay. You don't I have don't to, th- I don't you can even, tell me later. I don't even <laughs> think it matters. Cause I think it was pretty much like industry wide and you know, all these big male chefs were, I mean, and it goes back to the French tradition. I think like, that's how you learned, mm-hmm. learned by being screamed at. And-, and in a way now I'm, I don't know if you feel this way. I'm grateful for some of those no, experiences, I'm grateful for it. And but I, not all. I mean, no, I mean, I, I, I don't need like a food network chef to sexually harass yes. me again, but, um, exactly. But I do think like we're tougher than maybe the kids today. And like it's not shocking when it happens now, you know how to deal with it. And I mean, now, now at this point in my career, you know, I have my own place. It's, uh, we are, it's so different and I can't imagine running a business like that, but, um, I can understand like, especially in restaurants, the stress of it can make people a little crazy. So mm-hmm. I don't think people probably realize like how stressful a busy restaurant kitchen is on a Saturday night. I think it's a miracle that they even exist at all. I think it would be, I mean, it is one of the hardest businesses to, yeah, to do. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, tempers flare, but I don't think, I think for the most part, it's pretty, I mean, there are certainly exceptions, but you know, people. Would you say that that place or just was there any job internship that you loved or hated and you feel like shaped you the most or a place that you frequented as a patron a lot that you feel like really, um, frequented as a patron. Um, and in my desserts was definitely when I Gramercy Tavern, when I was in New York, um, Claudia Fleming was the pastry chef. Then she was kind of bringing forward the more like rustic style after all the like eighties constructed desserts. And so it was very fresh at the time. And, you know, she was a woman and a, kitchen and super successful and she had her book come out. And so, and I just ate there a lot. So that was probably like informing my style and my taste. Um, what a classic. Love that. Yeah. That, I mean, that place is um, incredible. And, but like in terms of my own career, obviously Lillette, cause I was there the longest. Um, it probably where most people would know me from. And again, classic. And then just like being in one place for so long, I mean, there are, there are ups and downs to that, but like, I felt I really got in a rhythm. 
had to really experiment and I had like a hundred percent freedom there, which was nice. And I think also I would imagine staying somewhere for a long time gives you a, a great perspective for owning your own business when you've seen sort of the climate change when cities go through or the economy goes oh, through a cycle you you see I mean, how to change and adapt i worked there before katrina and after um wow and so you know saw that we went through all of that and all the stuff that happened after well now with lillette what brought you back home to new orleans or was the move first or the job first or oh um i came back my mom was sick at the time she's fine now um and i was not cooking at the time in new york i had we, you know, at post 9-11, the restaurant industry got hit pretty hard. I got laid off. I ended up doing events for this law firm for a little while. And it was obviously not what I wanted to do. And I, it was the right time to kind of move home as well. So everything came together and I came home for what I thought was a year and saw the Lillette job advertising Gambit. Which wow. is almost insane to think about. That is a like, wonderfully New Orleans sentence like you just said there. The paper, not online. And um, so right after I moved by, I swung by to fill out an application. And and of course they were like, well, uh, yeah, <laughs> you got yeah, the they job. Were like, oh yeah, we didn't think anyone was just going to stop by for the pastry chef job. We're hiring waiters, but we also need a pastry chef. So I uh, ended up there and that is so cool. So, almost 10 years. Yeah, I was going to say, so you were there for, for 10 years. Almost 10 years, yeah. And anything else about that time um, stand out to you that was leading up to Well, that was Beth Piendo Suites? The, toward the end of it, I was getting a little burned out of the restaurant scene, and I decided I wanted to get out entirely. So the last two years I was at Lillette, I was studying interior design at Delgado yes. in that program. And um, so I was doing both and I was kind of, I'd been there long enough. It was kind of easy to work that out. And so I, I mean, you pretty much hit the nail on the head as far as working for a restaurant that's so many locals favorite, which I think is so important, but yet so many out of towners. Yeah. I mean, I go and when I it's moved their favorite. back, I had such a short list of places I wanted to work. And it was like two or three. Mm -hmm. And it was before a lot of the current restaurants had opened. And they happened to be hiring. So I just really kind of lucked out that week. Well, I think also your past and then you work in your experience and stuff like that. You give yourself some credit. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, the fact that there was, I mean, there, there weren't that many patients oh, that were open. Okay. at all. So in the city, there were, I feel like there were like eight. So. No, that was definitely meant to be so it was super lucky. But then, so I did the interior design program. And so I basically gave two years notice at that job and told them when I finished, two I'm, years notice. I'm going to leave and go do this thing. And, um, I finally, like after I was almost about to hit my 10 year anniversary and I left and started working in interior design, which I have more questions about. But before that, can we talk about and correct me if I have this wrong in any way, being a James Beard award nominated person, semi-finalist, semi four times though, I have that right. Oh my God. I mean, to get nominated once, I would have it on my tombstone <laughs> and my business card and everything like that. I mean, that's absolutely wonderful. It was a total surprise. I have to say, because, um, 
mean, a lot of people do accuse them. And I know in the past year, there's been a lot of controversy with all the chef me too stuff, but I mean, that was obviously not a factor that back then, Mm -hmm. but uh, the question was always that people paid or used a lot of PR to get, to get those. And that was the only way to do it. And Lillette has never had a PR person <laughs> in the history of the restaurant. I, you know, I think they just got an Instagram page. So God, that's cool. So in that case, it was a shock. Like no one was like, that's when you know you're so excellent. I, when I saw it, I was just like, oh my God, how'd that happen? Um, so that was cool. Wow. Do, um, would you say, what would, what was your most well-known? I, I, I went twice this past year and I chalked it up to, I was researching you. It was my excuse to go to Lillette. And I know I, I read a lot about your dishes there that people really raved about. Uh, the mascarpone panna cotta. That's not mine. Oh, okay. Oh, the mascarpone panna cotta, yeah. That's yeah, mascarpone yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I know I read an article about that. That's, that's uh, one of my favorite ones. And a lot of your ice creams, but what? The Nutella custard. That's on my, I have that to talk to you about because I want to try it so badly. <laughs> I I mean, I. Because you make it at the bakery now. No, but I. I Nutella ice cream. I do make Nutella ice yeah. cream um, on occasion. Yeah. Well, what was your most famed dessert there? Doesn't have to be your favorite, but at, at Lillette. At Lillette, oh, that's 100% the Nutella custard. Oh. I mean, it, um, and people still like, are like, oh, your Nutella custard. Um, like, yeah, Is it still on the menu all of no, it? No, it's not. They need to put it back and have it as <laughs> best Nutella custard. I'm no Right? <laughs> I'll bring it up next time I go. Um, yeah, I don't know. That one was just like, everyone loved it. And about three years after, you'll appreciate this, It'd been on the menu three or four years when I realized it was gluten-free, but no one was really like into that then. So I had never noticed that the, it was, it just right. didn't have gluten. Kind of like Oreos are vegan. Right. Cause like, they're just made of chemicals. <laughs> it's not chemicals, but it just doesn't have like a cookie right. or anything. So then all of a sudden we had a little new marketing tool, but it was funny that like, I didn't even realize for so long. Oh, that um, makes it even better. But it, you know, it was definitely consistently the most popular and I still do get asked about Okay, now in between design school and opening your bakery on Barem, you did online and pop-up shops. Well, I worked in interior design for a couple of years. And, and I know I'm asking this all out of order, oh, I no, realize now. <laughs> and so um, I was working for Jerry Bremerman and kind of started to get the itch again and I was really, I was so used to working on weekends, I, Saturdays, my whole career. And so I had this sort of normal nine to five and it wasn't even, it was like 10 to five job. Um, so I started thinking about doing pop-ups and it was kind of when people were starting to do a lot of pop-ups. And I asked my friends who own Satsuma and they said I could use their space in the Bywater on Saturdays and they were always busy on Saturdays. So I got two carved tables and set them up in an empty spot there and did a little bake sale. And they went really definitely, I mean, you know, I never opened a business in the Bywater, but it was, I think it was just like a really comfortable way to get back in, um, sort of low commitment, low stress. Um, and I did that off and on for a year and kind of realized like I didn't, I was good. I enjoyed interior design, but it was really like to have a career you've been doing for 
close to 20 years to just walk away was hard. So I decided to. Like it, you left it, but it never left you. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's hard to like start completely over when you have something you're just, that comes so easily, I think. And so it just, it just makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, you're the things that you think are so crazy, like majoring in art history and stuff like that all makes perfect sense to me now after getting to know you. I'm like, oh, not just a little bit. You love travel. I do. Um, I have taken cooking classes in a lot of the countries I've traveled to. I, I mean, food is obviously always a factor when you're traveling. It's one of my big it's, focuses. <laughs> and I'm actually, there's a few places I've gone back to a lot. Southeast Asia is one of them. Oh, where in particular? Um, I've been to Thailand quite a bit. And then once or twice as other places. Um, Myanmar was really amazing. I've been like all over there is really cool. Um, I've been to Morocco quite a bit. And actually my cooking class this Sunday is Moroccan food. Um, so cool. it's definitely influenced me there. Um, I mean, I always love Spain and Italy and, you know, I basically, when I, when I'm in Italy, I eat a lot of three times a day. Oh, um, God. What do they sprinkle a little crack? <laughs> Why is it so good there? It is so good. I've um, watched videos on how they make it, and I'm like, no, there's something, there's something they're not <laughs> showing because it's insane. But, yeah, I usually try to, like, if I, if I can go to take a cooking class or just, like, go to the local markets. That's, like, one of my favorite things mm. to do. And just, you see, like, vegetables and fruits you've never seen before. And that sort of... Seems like it would contribute. I think your your take on dessert is really refreshing and different. Um, I had a my most recent was my succulent cake I had for my birthday. <laughs> Thank you, and I got yes. to enjoy with you. COVID safely, we enjoyed it. Yes. Uh, it was gorgeous. What would you say? I, I know what I would say, but what what would you say is your slant that kind of makes you different? And everybody, when you get a Beth Biondo cake for your birthday or someone bring something to a party, it's like, it always stands out. So what um, would you think is? I mean, I think the flavors are relatively simple, but we just, you know, try to use good quality ingredients. Everything's super fresh. Um, and then the design, I think, uh, you know, everyone has their own style a little bit and just kind of try to do our take. We've been, I've been doing a lot of floral cakes, which I really like. Beautiful. Um, you have a way of being hip and classic at the same time, but not intimidating. I thought I was going to be intimidated. I really did when I met you. <laughs> by my cake. Yes, right. We, when we, someone would bring something into work or I would, yeah, I was always like, oh my God, she's going to be this like powerhouse. And you are, but you're, you know, very approachable. The bakery is the same way. It's very welcoming. Uh, what's your favorite thing to make? And what's the best thing you make? Because they may be like the, the thing you think you're best at versus what you enjoy doing. They may not be the same. I love making ice cream. Um, and that's, you know, it's, I feel like ice cream is the easiest thing you can make, but I just love making new flavors. Are you, are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Ice cream is the only thing I know how to make. And it's like, I brag about it a lot because I think it's so hard. <laughs> um, it doesn't take a lot of time. How about that? <laughs> For you. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, maybe I like eating it. I don't know. I just like making new flavors of ice cream. Um, I don't know what I'm best at. I think like that's totally subjective. What do you get the most orders for? 
Oh, I mean, cakes, because I think um, for birthday cakes and, and special occasion cakes, I think we have a little niche that maybe not so many people are in. And tell me about your workshops. I believe you used to offer them in person, but now you're doing and quite successfully so over Zoom. Yes. Um, I've taught off and on since New York um, and really enjoyed it. I worked at a place there in Tribeca that was uh, in a townhouse, a great little business where they did a lot of corporate events where groups would come in and each group would, each portion of the group would do one part of the meal and I did desserts. It was like a little- What? Extra. That sounds like so much fun. It was, so, it was super fun. And you know, they drink wine and we drink wine with them. And it was when I was working at the law firm, it was just like a little extra job. I did one or two nights a week. And so I got used to teaching and really enjoyed it. And I, they, back in the day, I worked, taught a class or two at Savvy Gourmet, but then I hadn't done it in a while. And I started getting requests for it. And it first started for private groups at the, at the bakery. And I also realized we had the ideal setup. It was big and open. So, so then I started offering the workshops and- Did you design it that way in, in mind? Cause the I love that you can see into your it workspace. It was completely open when I actually enclosed it a little, um, but I did decide to leave it open. I just, I need the light, like all that light coming in. I've worked in like, the pastry kitchen is generally a little dark corner. And I was like, if I'm going to have my own place, I'm going to be here all I mean, time. it has skylights. Yeah. Like it's out of your space and I encourage everyone, which it is open in COVID. Is, um, we have more, it's more limited. Our hours are a little shorter and we have less uh, just to pick up, but we do have stuff every day. And, uh, and someone could call and order something. Absolutely. And the website has really, I've spent, had the time this year to really work on the website. And so you can like order as well as like customize your cakes on there now, which we're yes, really- which I've done. It's very yes. easy. Um, and I encourage everyone to also visit the space though, yes. because it really is out of like, you know, when you watch a romantic comedy and the person is a, in this case, a chef or owns a bakery and you're like, nobody's really looks like yours really looks like the room. When I saw the skylight, I was like, you gotta be kidding me. When I saw the space, I knew. I gotta ask switch topics about Sally. Okay. Sally is my 10 year old Dalmatian and I've had Dalmatians all my life. Um, she is my fourth or fifth and uh, that's so trademark. I know. I love that. Oh my God. I was like a little kid who wanted the dog from 101 Dalmatians and never got over it. Um, and she oh my God. is often featured in my cooking class and, she, and on your Instagram for yeah. anybody who wants to be a fan of Sally. She often is featured in my cooking class when she jumps up and tries to steal things from oh me. Again, so. add it to the rom-com. That is like out of a movie. I love it. Your love of elephants and adopting <laughs> them. Tell me about your affiliation with the Sheldrick. Am I saying that right? Sheldrick yeah. Wildlife Trust? Um, my That is in um, Nairobi, Kenya, but where I've never been and I'm dying to go and was kind of planning a pre-COVID trip, but uh, hopefully in the next few years, I'll be able to go. It actually started in Thailand. Um, the first time I went there, I went to an elephant rescue and fell in love with it and spent a lot of time with the elephants. I've been back there several times um, over the years and just, 
you know, I like animals. Elephants are pretty amazing and to really interact with them um, up close is an incredible experience. Can you go meet the ones that you adopted? Yes. So is that what you're Sheldrick um, adopt the elephants I, and, and the elephants in Asia are domesticated. Um, the elephants in Africa are not, they're wild, but when the mothers get poached, they have to rescue the babies. That's what Sheldrick does. Um, and you can adopt elephants online and sponsor them and you can go meet your babies. <laughs> this is sort of a pandemic topic. Going back to the pandemic, we've already discussed that your hours are a little adjusted and the capacity in the bakeries um, a little bit less, but that you're still up and, and open. Uh, crew of red beans though, in the pandemic, tell us about what you did in that. Um, crew of red beans at the beginning of the pandemic and they've branched out into helping um, float builders and different groups now, but at the beginning they were providing food for hospital workers. And so we were part of that providing desserts and uh, other restaurants were providing hot meals. We would drop an assortment of desserts, actually I would, um, every day at a different hospital in town, which was a really cool experience um, just to see how excited everyone was to get it. I mean, it was bringing them to ER people at the height of the pandemic. Any plans for expansion, like other locations? Um, that would be a plan that was more than a week out. No, I can't really picture that. I don't know. I can. I think you're going to have another outpost. Where? I don't know. I'll find it okay. next to my house. <laughs> that would be amazing. Or, or just a, an expansion in your current business. Like, would you want to have more interior design products in there? You have a few things right now, like books and candles. I, I love that aspect of it. And I, you know, I was um, buying in Morocco and that was so fun and like importing things and doing That's the most glamorous sentence ever. <laughs> um, uh, with COVID, obviously, that sort of put a damper on that. And since we had less walk-in, kind of, I've been doing less of the retail. We sell a lot of the candles, but other than that. Um, Which I have two of, by the way. The, can the candle maker that we carry, Niven Morgan, is a good friend of mine. And I think for the price point, they're the best candles. And that's why I carry them. Um, and I have to stop myself from bringing them home all the time. But um, I, I like that aspect of it. Um, I have a feeling there's... There's more brewing There's there. always going to be. Yeah, I know it's a, a weird time right now. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I just kind of just like, if I make it through, and I need to be happy about that because there are so many people that are struggling. Right. Um, so. No, you're making people happy staying open and doing what you're doing. So <laughs> Favorite show or movie about cooking or baking? Oh I'm so excited about this question because I love food movies so much for how much I suck at cooking. I love eating. And um... <laughs> Let's see. Okay, I have an affection. This is so corny. Ooh, okay. For it's complicated because of the bakery in Santa Monica. That's my favorite. I mean, Santa Barbara. And yes. like I, I, that's every pastry chef's dream kitchen, hands down. They'll all say it. Uh, so her house is ridiculous, and I want a bakery that will allow me to buy a ten million dollar Santa Barbara. I actually think I was saying wrong romantic comedy earlier. You're like a, you're the highest level of that, which is a Nancy Myers. Okay. You're an Nancy Myers movie. Your house is beautiful. You're like, nobody's house really looks like, oh, nope, yours looks like that. And your bakery is beautiful. Now, you pretty much are uh, Jane Adler <laughs> from the movie. That's Meryl Streep's character. Yes. Okay, Jane but Adler. hopefully, I, want to, I don't want to end up with Elf Can we do Can a mock? Can I one? You end up with Steve Martin. Well, I hope I'm not spoiling it for anyone who's seen it, but you end up with Steve, Steve Martin. Martin. <laughs> 
I know that Keanu, did you read that article? Nancy Myers responded to, um, it might've been like New York posters. It was somebody funny was like, really you would you would pick Keanu and that now we're switching to something's got to give with yeah, Diane Keaton but they're all the same so. but they they're they're all lovely but yeah everyone in their right mind would pick Keanu Reeves in that movie. Okay. <laughs> the hot doctor and I think Nancy Myers just um she highlights food so well and, and there's you know any anything like food overseas is always fun to see so I can't even think of a good movie example but Julie and Julia oh yeah although I could do without the Amy Adams <laughs> remember that blog when I was living in New no York. No way! Yeah. yeah. It, like, I was living there when it came out. In real time, it you know. It just seems to be Julia Child. I've often wondered, could they just make the movie for me without... It's not... Amy Adams is great in it. It's not that. It's, it's just like a, a depressing potluck. Yeah. yeah. And she... Li- I, I've lived in New York in shitty apartments. I don't need to see that. That's what you're yeah. saying. And I actually went to Rouen, where Julia Child had her first meal in France. So if you go there... You can, mm-hmm. um, that was me bragging. My husband would, my husband would put his hands up like a trumpet, like I'm shooting my own horn. If he was sitting here, would you ever do a TV show? Um, no, <laughs> <laughs> your online workshops are kind of a foray. Yeah, I, mean, I actually realized I have been doing all this stuff online during COVID. And um, I mean, I feel comfortable on camera. Like I didn't become a chef to be on TV. If I wanted to be on TV, I would have been an actor, but um, I don't know. I, I guess I, it's the right opportunity. I don't mm-hmm. think that everyone's like beating the door down now. So oh, I think, they I think they would. Can you eat a pastry, dessert, et cetera, made by someone else and not judge it? No. <laughs> I imagine it would be hard, but I didn't know if you could ever just like I mean, get if, a if Whole so, Foods piece uh, of whatever. And I, um, I rarely, like I won't, if I'm not at a restaurant, I occasionally order dessert and I generally enjoy it. Um, if like someone close to me makes a dessert, I'm not going to judge it. Cause I, if someone bakes, oh, if someone bakes God. for me, it's like the highest because people get super nervous. I would me. never do that. I hate, <laughs> it makes me feel awful that they get nervous. Cause I think it's so sweet. Um, now onto our. New Orleans questions I ask every guest. We'll start with your favorite block, neighborhood, or building in New Orleans. Probably have to say neighborhood. Lived and worked. Both of my jobs were within three blocks of each other. Um, So it's basically Magazine Street area between Napoleon and Louisiana has been my stomping grounds. For so, um, there's a lot of local gems and, in that area. You know, like I realized during COVID, there's so much I can walk to, um, and I do like I have so many friends who live in my neighborhood that I can walk to their homes. It's just, it's like if which I, is always a game changer. But COVID really taught you absolutely like porch drinking and all that. So I love my own neighborhood. Um, Favorite holiday to spend in New Orleans, and what do you do? Well, the big Halloween is my birthday, <laughs> so it's the best holiday ever. Um, oh my God, that's the best birthday. I know. It's it's like the perfect holiday birthday because it's not a present holiday, 
And you can make it about you. And it's always fun and everyone always goes out. So people are guaranteed out. They're guaranteed drinking. On a Monday, everyone's out. So I do love Halloween. And I just love that whole time of year. Like that stretch from Halloween to Christmas. I love Christmas is a big deal with my family. I like going all out. I get my tree the day after Thanksgiving. That's also when you're busiest. Yes. Favorite festival. Um, I mean, probably jazz fest. Oh, you're a jazz fester. Okay. Um, you leave for Mardi Gras, but you, you go to jazz fest. I go to jazz fest. I don't go every day. I'm not someone who would ever go every day to anything, but I always do like two or three days at jazz fest. And I, the past couple of years I've done demos, which has been fun. Oh, really? I was supposed to do one this year. So we'll see what happens in October. Favorite neighborhood bar or restaurant. Um, can you not say that because like you'd offend to too many casual. people? No, no. It, well, that is a neighborhood yeah. restaurant I mean, to me. Yeah, I'm going to say that. Or not to me, it is. I mean, you know, I worked at Lillette for so long and I still eat there and I go to Bologna for drinks because I love it and I can walk there and I know everyone there. And it's, I mean, it, you know, I guess maybe as like watering holes, it's fancy, but. Um, I, oh, it's neighborhoody though. It's, yeah. So it's still. Um, where I would go. Uh, favorite drink and where? Ooh. I, you could love a drink in another place, but Bulani does have some fantastic cocktails. In New Orleans, let's see. You know, I do like the cocktails at Bulani. I mean, on a regular night, I'm probably a wine person. For some reason, recently, I've dangerously gotten into martinis as a COVID thing. It's, I had a martini phase. It's, it seems efficient. It happens right to now. everybody. <laughs> Last meal in New Orleans, where would it be and what would you order? Um, have to get oysters to start. Um, maybe some apps that like Pesh or something. Oysters, oysters and appetizers at Pesh would be um, gangster. I love, I would have probably, oh gosh, there's so many. I would need some fish and fries from Lillette. I would probably like a few things from Saffron. I love everything at Paladar, so I'd need to stop. You have been really devoted to Paladar <laughs> since its beginning, because I was one of the years I lived in the Bywater, but then since now I'm on the physical other side of the city, I, will drive, I never go. I'll drive anywhere, like, for good food. Oh, and, like, as of late, um, my former co-workers from a trillion years ago at Lillette opened Rosalita's Tacos, which was a little stand on the side of their house now they have a brick and mortar on saint claude but their fish taco is the bomb it's last meal worthy those were good good answers tabasco or crystal oh uh, louisiana (laughs) oh oh i gotta add that that's a curveball i i I don't like well i don't think crystal's like no it's not it's it's not louisiana's like in the middle of the two of them okay i've got to start buying i don't know try it I usually, I have both at Tabasco and Crystal in my house. Yeah. I don't think I have Louisiana, but I've noticed it at more and more restaurants lately. Someone left it. <laughs> <laughs> That's often how we, we get a lot of good things. If you, if, if you were at my house, I'd probably end up with something awesome, you know, when you leave. <laughs> uh, if you could bring back either K&B or the McKinsey's franchise, oh which would it be? And what would be your favorite thing from the business? Um, I probably like, I grew up here. I probably have stories about both of them. I wanted to work at McKinsey's when I was in high school. My mom wouldn't let me. I think, I think she thought like, it was probably not the best, um, college driven path. Well, look where I ended up. Yeah, but, um, no, that's great. I 
but I I would probably want KMB. I mean, I just like I, when I was growing up, we used to buy records at KMB. That makes me sound a thousand years old. No, it, I was I was we alive were, for if, all that. If we were good in church, we could go get a record. Oh, yeah, that's a yacht point, as my husband would say. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> um, favorite coffee shop, and what do you order? Um, I am exclusively iced coffee. I even in the dead of winter. Um, just always regular iced coffee with milk. And, um, I love, uh, unfortunately right now we're not doing coffee at the bakery, but I love the congregation iced coffee we used to make and they still have their branch. Um, and I'll just point, they close the one downtown, but their coffee, I think it's so good. And I, Blue Lingerie carries it, but. Oh, that's right. That's where I've had it before. Yeah, okay. Really, really good. Um, what is the biggest New Orleans stereotype to you? And is it true? Um, I, gosh, like from people elsewhere. First of all, I always get, you don't have an accent. And I think the stereotype, I don't know. I, is that what you sound like? Scarlett O'Hara or something? I've never heard oh, yeah, in movies, it's Orleans. always either a Southern or Cajun. Cajun uh-huh. and I don't sound like either. Um, and then I think like the whole perception of, what Mardi Gras is for um, outsiders is so different from like what uptown Mardi Gras is. Like, is, what, do they picture the scene from Double Jeopardy in the French Quarter? Because that I one's... just watched that recently. <laughs> I watched some of the old Ashley Judd movies over COVID. They hold up. Yeah. That um, Mardi Gras scene, however, is. It. Yeah, it's and just the whole like flashing and all, and I'm like, it has never been that way. Like, and I've never seen that really. Like, no one does that. No, it's so far removed from like a local's experience. It's like I walk up from my house and I go to the parade with right. my friends, and you know, you oh, even drinks. downtown, we take yeah. my child, my four year old, yeah. to Mardi Gras Day in the French Quarter, and I don't see one boob. Yeah, there is one man who wears an S and M outfit. He's like 80 years old. Yeah, but I really look forward to seeing him every year. I'm yeah, like, he's still year <laughs> but no what it's not it's so different from what people think Marty that's 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 very true um which new orleans character or personality real or fiction dead or alive would you most like to have dinner with julia. i was i was gonna ask i was gonna give julia reed as an example who unfortunately I, is now passed. Yes. But would, she's a wonderful New Orleans character. She's she's not from New Orleans, but she made it her home. And she unfortunately passed away in August. Uh, favorite movie, TV show, or book set in New Orleans? Are all three or just one? Oh, gosh. Double Jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> of course, the most authentic. <laughs> So, you know, that all that like super New Orleans, like everyone's going from the second line to the whatever on Tuesday and like eating red beans and like, you know, it's just a normal place. Mm-hmm. Like, but <laughs> that all does exist every day if you want it. I have to give that to that stereotype. I guess so. Is, you know, if you want to drink beer on Tuesday morning at 7 a.m., there are places where people are doing that. Yes that they're not considered alcoholics. It's just <laughs> part of our local fabric. Not, I think books do it much better than like TV shows and movies are mm-hmm. so funny. Mm-hmm. They're often um, pretty great. The other ones that come to mind, like Double Jeopardy or Undercover Blues. I was also that? thinking the James Bond movie, Live and Left Die. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've ever seen it. Or if I did, I was. There's like jazz funeral, alligators, like everything. Fan boat. 
Did um, you watch Treme? I I did. I did some desserts for Treme. Um, There's your answer. <laughs> what is your Miss Naturally New Orleans story? I feel like my friends who are local, and I have a fair number of them, um, we like say this all the time and like out of towners don't get it. Just like, oh, so New Orleans. And it, gen- it generally involves like knowing someone, being related to someone, having dated someone that you just stumble upon. Oh, that's that really true. 40 times a day. Lastly, your favorite New Orleans word, phrase, or expression. How many times have you ever heard someone say making groceries for Rita? <laughs> <laughs> making groceries for people not from New Orleans is, just means going to the grocery store, right? Yeah. Like no one says it. all those like iconic, I think some of them are real. And the ones we say like are so incorporated, like all those words that like neutral ground, whatever that I don't even think about it being New Orleans. Like mm-hmm. that's what I call that in every city. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of them are like all those like super New Orleans. Making groceries is good. Making groceries and where yet? Like no one says that. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, I want to talk about first. What you brought. Well, They're beautiful. I brought Ashley a little care package for having me on. Um, I just have an assortment of items from the bakery today. King cake. Little I'm so excited to have your king cake. cake. Um, I haven't had it this year. Oh, it's a pound cake king cake. Yes. Um, the olive oil marscapone strawberry cake. Because <gasps> you knew that I wanted yes. to try it. Um, the almond brown butter blondie, the brownie, and the chocolate chip cookie. Oh, my God. I'm so excited about this. These are everything that I like and or wanted to try. Perfect. And your your take on pound cakes is um, I learned through the eggnog pound cake. <laughs> Someone gave us one and I ate the whole thing by myself. <laughs> like my husband never even got to try it. Well, we started doing, I have to say like, I, I do, I love snowballs and I love some New Orleans food. Um. But king cakes to me, like, I think we just like had them so much growing up. Um, It has to be pretty good for me to get excited about right now. And I'm a super traditionalist. Like, I think fillings. Nope. No. I don't do fillings. My mom said fillings were tacky. Um, Oh, that is something my mom would have said too. We never had it growing up. No, fillings are are tacky. With icing, tons of icing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tons of icing and sugar, but... Um, so to me, like king cake needs to be cinnamon. I just can't do it another flavor. And I also, I find sometimes the bread part, like it's a, it's a little bready and dry. I like it, the cake. I mean, I like it to be really desserty and sweet and cakey. So um, we had done our king cake in a cinnamon flavor and I started playing around with that. And so it's a variation on our pound cake with a cinnamon sour cream filling. Oh, and hell yeah. Icing and sugar and all the good stuff. And then one more thing I want to say is we've been drinking this whole entire time daiquiris from Bure, like we do every single podcast. And today we did the traditional hurricane, which Beth was hesitant at first when I I brought the daiquiris. I was a little scared. I thought we were having like some uh, super street. Yeah, daiquiris. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I'm telling you, if you don't think you like daiquiris, which often has happened. Uh, people don't think that they want to have one and then they end up having more than one. We also have the king cake one, which you still have to try, but I've had half of, and it's, I've had more than half of the hurricane. Oh one, my God. It's delicious. Yeah. They hit the nail on the head. Definitely. Okay. Well, Beth, thank you 
Thank you so much for taking the time out. Now let's go drink. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Thanks for listening. And a big thanks to our sponsors, as well as everyone at Boot Crew Media and Allison Zatarain. Special thanks to Britton Stewart of Thinka and to the incredible Alex Harris for the use of his song, Entangled. And of course, a big thank you to my ever-supportive husband, George. You can find out more about my guests and sponsors on Instagram at at New Orleans Entangled and on bootcrewmedia.com. Until next time. Ooh, I'm entangled and I'm with you.